my assignment was to have the last week in Go Big month. And so I was thinking about what would seem best to preach on. And I thought about the life of Mary of Bethany. And so I titled it Passion for God, but that's kind of a big, that's a big word. And I don't want you to think that what I mean by passion is something that's hormonal or something that's about activity or something that's about gifting. But what I'm, what I'm going to share this morning from the life of Mary and from her family, her siblings, is that passion is about focus. And passion is about fervor. So let's get started. They asked Jesus on several occasions, what was the most important commandment? What is the thing, um, teacher, prophet, that you think is the most important that you want us to know? And of course he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And that's, that's a lot, isn't it? Just think about it. With all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and with all your soul, that's a lot. And it can be overwhelming to think, I don't know if I'm doing that. So I've chosen a, a really, what I think is a wonderful example of how we can have passion for God. Because honestly, we're in the 21st century. Is it even possible to have passion for God like they did in the first century? I think it is. But let's look at, let's look at the portion of scripture that we've chosen for today. The first thing that Mary of Bethany teaches us is to have focus. And we're going to read the scriptures that go along with that. This is earlier in Jesus' ministry, and we are, we are being introduced to a family. And this family is an unusual because there's no mention of a mother or a father. There's only mention of siblings, two sisters and a brother. And they all have their um, turn in the sun. They all have something that they're known for. And of course, Lazarus is the brother that's known for being called from the tomb and being raised from the dead. So let's learn about Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Now let me just say before we continue that this is a special family. Do you know that there are relationships that refresh us? If, if I ask you to think back, do you, who is someone in your life that refreshes you? We could all think of someone, more than one person. And we all know that there are relationships that require something of us. They require more patience. They require more understanding. Maybe they require more words. But this is a family, two sisters and a brother, and they are a family that refreshes Jesus. He loved this family. And so we have them, we notice that Jesus has visited their home twice in the scriptures, which is once more than it's ever recorded that he visited anyone else. So we know that he loved them. We know they were two sisters and a brother that were well off. We have several indications that, that show us that they had, they had wealth. They helped fund Jesus' ministry for those three years. They traveled with him on occasion. And it says that they were a family that loved Jesus and he loved them. So he's stopping at their home. He was welcomed there. These are people that refreshed Jesus. Her name, the sister's name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated with finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guest. 
So she interrupted Jesus and said, let me just stop there for just a second. She interrupted Jesus. I mean, we know she's the older sister because she's mentioned first whenever they're mentioned. So we know she's the eldest. We don't know if there's husbands, whatever. We just know that there are three siblings. But she has the audacity to interrupt Jesus. Now, before we think that's like such a horrible thing, I have many times interrupted Jesus. He's trying to tell me something. He's trying to speak a word to my heart. And I interrupt him. I I do it. I mean, he wasn't physically there, but he's living in my heart. And I have done the same thing that Martha's done. So I understand the... That, I don't know even what the word is, that awesomeness that she did. But she interrupted Jesus and said, Sisters, do we have here? Let's see. Okay. How, how many times does it seem unfair? You should tell her to get up and help me. Now, in this culture... Women were expected to be the one serving. They were expected to be the one that fixed the food. They were expected to be the one that served the guests. There was no buffet. There was no serve yourself. This was a culture where the women served the men. And before you think, that was a great idea. It had its problems too. So she's saying, Jesus, look, this isn't right. I'm doing all the work. And of course we know that people had to be fed. When, you, when people came to your home, one of the signs of, of honoring someone is that you gave them a meal, that you served them a drink, that you washed their feet, that you, that you honored them. So Martha is running around doing all this stuff that needed to be done. Was she doing unnecessary work? No, she was doing necessary work. She was doing work that would honor the guest. But what has Mary done? And what does Jesus do? The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. He hides his irritation. Well, he probably wasn't even irritated with her because he he takes the time to, to reconnect that relationship. He doesn't seem bothered by the fact that she's interrupting him. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is, what? Undistracted. And I won't take this privilege from her. When I saw that word, now you know sometimes when you're having your devotions, you'll read different translations and it brings out different things, different threads. But when I saw that word, it, it pierced my heart because I thought this to me it's where we are in our culture today. I mean, there are many other things we could say about where we are in culture. But to me, being distracted is, is at the heart of it. And I, for my own self, I know just sitting down to pray, you have a list of things that you want to pray about. And you start, and you don't even say five minutes. I'm saying one minute. I, I find my mind wandering to something else. So you refocus and you go to the next thing on the list, and my mind wanders. And I don't think it's just me. We had, um, I had a, an insurance company contact us and say, you know, your auto insurance is going to be going up. I'm like, we haven't had any tickets. We're, we're older drivers. You know, we're not. And they said, well, it's, it's not you. It's us. You know, of course, that, it's not you. It's me speech. But they said, because there's people driving without insurance now, and that's raising the prices. He said, but... There are so many distracted driving accidents that have skyrocketed that it's making everyone's insurance go up. 
So distraction is not just, it's in every area of our life. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm commending this. Now, Mary, of course, has done something that is very unheard of. She was actually sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's sitting among men. And in that culture, in that day, that was, you don't, you didn't do that. But Mary was undeterred by convention and she's broken into that barrier. And you think Jesus would fuss out and say, well, you know, convention says, you know, in this culture, and I haven't set you women free yet and da, da, da. No, he said, she has chosen the best thing. One version says she has chosen the better part. But I love this. She is undistracted, and I will not take this from her. And I love that. I absolutely love that about Jesus. And I think, Lord, this is my focus on you. My being undistracted is what you want. You want my attention. I need your attention. And what, I, what says passion for you is my undivided attention. She chose the most important thing. The second thing I noticed that she did is at the end of Jesus' life. Now, he's very, very near. When he knows this coming, the disciples, of course, are still like, I don't know, what does he mean? But it's near the end. And so he has once again come to the home of a family that refreshes him. They're sitting around. And we're going to read it first, and then we're going to think about what's happening here. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, a man he raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared to honor Jesus. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who actually ate with Jesus. Now, at some point during the evening, it doesn't say when, but it does say that Mary left the room. And went at 12, got a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. I don't know if this was her perfume to pour. All I know is she poured it all out on Jesus' feet. Now, it was very customary to anoint the guest's feet with a perfumed oil, that was not unusual. But what was usual was that you would just dab a little bit on the feet. Just as, a, just as a customary, we honor you, a dab. Mary, in her gratitude, in her focus on Jesus, poured the entire bottle of perfume out. And you can imagine that it, once again, Mary is causing a commotion. Judas Iscariot, the disciple that would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold. And the money given to the poor, not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Mary, her passion for the Lord, her devotion to Jesus is embarrassing 
to the other disciples. Let's just be honest. Sometimes when we see people that are devoted to God in a way that looks different than the way I'm devoted to God, it makes us uncomfortable. And it says that another gospel, in Mark's gospel, it says some of those present were saying indignant to each other, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold. And it said that they rebuked Mary harshly. Now think about it. The men that are serving God, following Jesus, devoted to Jesus, the men that are following him are now criticizing Mary for her devotion. It says they criticized her harshly. Why would, do that? Why would they do that? It made them uncomfortable. It held up a mirror to their own devotion. It's, it's interesting. Um, I was, you know, as you all know, I was raised in the church and I've been in the church my, all of my life. And I've heard it said many, many times, why this waste of talent? You see someone that's very talented, very gifted, that God has clearly gifted them. And the, the reaction is, why are you wasting that gift in the church? Why don't you go to Hollywood? Why don't you go to Broadway? Why don't you go to... As if that is some kind of pinnacle of anything. Why this waste? Why this waste of your ability to teach? Why this waste of your money? Why this waste of your time? Sometimes that can be my attitude. When I see someone serving God diligently, differently than me, why are you wasting your time on that? Different ministries. Because it's not a ministry that I'm gifted or I'm not called to. Why are you wasting your time doing that? Gathering food for the poor. Adopting babies. All the things that we do here, we have to know that God has given that person a passion and a devotion for him, and it shows in their gifting. Why this waste? I know we've heard that said um, many, many times about Sarah. Why is she wasting her talent dancing in the church, teaching in the church? <laughs> my mother-in-law, where's my husband? My mother-in-law, she's not here, bless her. Um, she, was, she always said that. She didn't, she didn't understand Wanting to honor God, wanting to give him our best, was the highest thing we could do. But in her mind, she had this old way of thinking like Hollywood is some kind of something. And you should be doing it on Broadway. Why are you wasting? She actually said that. Why are you wasting your time at church? It's not any different than the disciples. Why this waste? Mary understood that out of her overflow, out of her gratitude, just imagine what he's done for this family. Her brother, taken sick and ill, buried. Jesus resurrected him. She, her heart is filled with gratitude for this man and what he's done for her. So while they're rebuking Mary, Jesus rebukes them. I don't know if you've ever had the Lord rebuke you. I, I, I know I have. And I remember the first time, it's been a couple of decades ago, but it was not the last time he's rebuked me. Um, embarrassed to say. Or I remember the first time because I remember thinking, I didn't like the word rebuke. I was very young, you know, I was newly married or whatever. 
I didn't like the word rebuke. So in my mind, I'm saying, Jesus is fussing at me because I knew exactly what he, what, he, what he was saying. And it was a thing with the church, and, and my husband was working with this couple, and they had problems, and he was working with them. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, he's, he's spending too much time helping them. He needs to be home with his own kids. And, of course, I had, a, as we used to say in the South, a bee in my bonnet about it. So I was going on and on. And Mark was doing what he thought he should be doing. But no, I knew what he should be doing. And I wasn't shy about telling him. That bee was just a buzzing. You know how you get sometimes you get all riled up? Sure that you're right. But it takes one word from the Lord. He spoke to my heart. It was very, very clear. He said, he is my servant first. He's your second. He's your husband second. And I, and I, you, know, you know how when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it, it cuts so clean. It's such a clean cut. And, I, and that was it. That, that's what it took. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I think I apologized to my husband too, but mostly I apologized to the Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. Mary understood she understood. How did the disciples miss what she was doing? They were on mission with Jesus. They had all these plans with Jesus, and they missed the opportunity to honor him, to show devotion to him. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will not always have me. Mary saw the moment. Her heart, filled with gratitude, poured out. It must have been quite scandalous. It was very scandalous. What an intimate thing to do. Where did she have, I don't know, the courage, the kahunas? I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here. How did she do it? How did she not care what other people thought? And out of an overflowing, grateful heart, respond and minister to Jesus. She was a person that refreshed him. And he did not rebuke her for it. But how did she see this moment that men that had slept with him, ate with him, walked with him, day after day, missed? I think it comes back to her focus. She was focused on Jesus. He had her attention. She was undistracted. And Jesus was pleased with that. Would you stand with me, please? I, I understand the disciples more than I care to because I, I imagine that in that room, in that moment, when she does that intimate the touching of a man, even we're talking about his feet here, people, but that was still not done. And I'm sure they felt uncomfortable. I'm sure they felt like, I, I don't know if this is okay. But I think it also exposed something in them. They saw that she noticed something about Jesus. And as we, as we end this month of Go Big, we think about passion for God. 
let's take it out of the realm of more excitement, more doing something, more activities. And let's think about undivided attention. Not distracted in the moment. To give Jesus the honor that is due him. She was able to pour out. She spent a, a, a fortune in one moment. That kind of generosity. I just like to eke out my devotion like over a lifetime. I give him a little bit of devotion here, a little bit of devotion there, a little bit of... She in a moment was extravagant because she recognized, she realized, she remembered, she recounted, she recalled what he's done for her family and for her. And I think that honors God when we stop and remember and not be distracted honors God. Focusing on who he is, what he's done, what he will do in our lives, honors God. And that won't be taken from us either. He will say of us, it will not be taken from him. It will not be taken from her. She focused on me. He focused on me. And I just ask that myself and you along with me, those of us that serve God, that love God, that want to, to honor God with our life, with the lives of our children, with the lives of our grandchildren, it's our heart to honor Him. But are we distracted? Jesus, when they asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? He said, the most important thing is to love God with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your soul, and all of your mind. And we can start that journey by giving him the honor of attention, not being distracted. Pastor Peter is going to come out and join me and lead us in prayer. I just want to say that religion will always criticize passion. It will always be critical of someone's passionate response to Jesus. But Jesus said, leave her alone. She's doing something that you have missed, but she has discerned it.